0: In the name of the Father, Son, the Holy Spirit, one God, amen. So uh, this month, this Coptic month of uh, Kiak, as you guys know, this uh, week was the second week, and uh, it's a very special time where we uh, focus on the Nativity, we focus on St. Mary, and that's why if you were to attend the Midnight midnight Praises, you know they have the all-nighters this time, they call it Sabah Barba. they have a lot of uh, hymns and songs that's focused on Saint Mary and a lot of uh, things about prophecies of the nativity so like today during communion if you notice we we uh, sang the burning bush so that's one of the very common um, hymns that we always sing during this time because there's a lot of um, focus on Saint Mary because of Saint Mary's role big role in the incarnation so um, today I'm going to talk about Saint Mary and um, The End of Her Life um, has a lot of information that I have myself never uh, knew before, but it came from a a very big, thick book. It's called The Life of the Virgin Mary, the Theotokos, and it's compiled and written by the Holy Apostles' Convent in Colorado from tradition, scriptures, patristics, and ancient writings. I don't know if any one of you have read it, but it was very interesting. Um, But we're going to start with her life. So, in general, and Abuna touched a little bit on this today in the sermon, the Bible did not talk much about St. Mary. And most um, like most likely because she was very quiet. She didn't say much. She didn't want to have too much of a role, too much of attention, no spotlights. Um, and if you read the Gospels, you'll barely find any verses that mention her. So, we saw in Luke 2.19... It said, but Mary kept all these things and pondered them in her heart. And in Luke 2:51, it said, but his mother kept all these things in her heart. So she never really went around talking about her son proudly and you know saying, oh that that's my son. That you know like like especially in our culture, like if a mom has you know this her son just graduated from medical school or something that's big, you know she she's always like proud and they always say, how's your son the doctor and like. We always, as parents especially, always want to be proud of your kids, you want to mention them in anything when they had accomplished something. But she was a very humble um, and and quiet person. She didn't like that attention. And she was just watching from far and kept everything in her, in her heart and pondered them in heart. And then also, we always, not always, but many people look at St. Mary and say, oh, You know she's so lucky she's blessed because she's the one that's chosen I wish I was in her shoes I wish I was chosen for something like that Um, but we always say that without knowing the struggle that she went through she had a very very harsh life so today my focus is gonna be her life but also from Christ or God's view like in songs of songs chapter 2 verse 2 says like a lily among thorns so is my love among the daughters so that's how God saw St. Mary like a lily among thorns so is my love among the daughters so let's talk about her harsh life St. Mary had a lot of thorns in her life okay so she was um, she, ha- she was deprived and had a painful life from the day she started to understand the uh, the first thorn was her being deprived of her parents. So as most of you know the story, her mom was Anna, her dad was Joachim, and they couldn't have children. And they prayed and they they promised God that if he gives them a child, that they will devote this child to the temple and the child will live in the temple for the rest of, of his life. So they didn't really specify if it's a boy or a girl. So after the had the baby and it's a girl, they don't know what to do. So they went to the high priest and they said, what should we do? It's a girl, and we know that the girl is not going to be allowed to serve in the temple. So they gathered together and they said, you know what? A promise is a promise. So after a lot of debate, they said, no, we'll still keep the promise. She will be staying in in the altar, in the um, temple. So they said, okay, and we will go with what we promised God. When she was around two years old, Joachim told Anna, should we fulfill the, the promise that we did to God. Anna said, give her another year because I don't want her to ask too much for her parents. She's too little. So when she was three years old, um, they decided that this is going to be the time. So um, in that book, which is very interesting, it said that they were worried how she's going to let go of her parents when she was three years old. So they went out and they gathered the little young girls from the neighbors and the friends and the family and the cousins and that. And they took them to the temple and they had kind of like a procession. So they gave them lights, lantern lights, and they had them stand in like two rows as little Mary, three years old, as she approached the temple and she started walking up the steps and going up while the girls are surrounding her with the little lanterns and candles. And she got so excited about about it. But she started walking and approaching the temple with no like looking back, you know, even as, as a three years old. And, and Zechariah, the priest, was there, and he received her to the temple. And he was full, filled with the Holy Spirit, and he was prophesizing of how much this girl is going to have a big role in the salvation of of the world, um, and how her service on the altar and, and who she is. So he he had a beautiful prophecy. So Saint Mary, or little Mary, um, joined the temple at This time, and she was she was around my son's age, three and a half. So it's it's very hard to imagine three years old, you know, being deprived of no parents. You know, you you look at this child and if they fall, the first thing they say, "Mommy, Daddy, out." You know, it doesn't matter if it was now or if it was thousands of years ago. Kids are kids, and I can't imagine like this girl being in a huge like the Temple of Solomon, which is like probably thirty times more than thirty times as big as this church. Can you imagine sleeping? in the church in the dark by yourself, let alone a whole huge temple like that as a kid. Like who, you would think like who covered her at night in the cold nights, who, who took care of her, who made sure she's eating. It's a very tough thing, it's, it's I mean, if you think about it realistically, she didn't have an nanny to take care of her instead of the mom, but she was just a kid in the temple serving. So that was her first thorn that she had being the pride of her parents, but she endured it even from young age. All that she's going through is submission, acceptance, but the Lord looks down at her and says, like a lily among thorns, so is my love among the daughters. Then her her second thorn was her degrading job in a temple. I'm not sure if we all know what St. Mary did in the temple, what was, what was her service, but when they had the offerings brought to the temple, you know, the animals to, to raise the sacrifices, they the animals body was open and they had to take the guts and disgusting organs that, you know, um, that are not part of this process and not edible. They just took him out and and they had to to get rid of all this gross stuff. So she was standing there with a little basket to be transporting those disgusting things, taking them from where the sacrifices are to walk to um, a valley called Hanum Valley where they trashed all these things there. And uh, it was around 600 meters away from the temple. So that was her job, really, to take the trash out. But not just trash, it's just disgusting like, organs and things from, from the animals. So just imagine the view, and imagine the smell, and imagine the degrading job that she had. But she did that without complaining. And she did that, like say there were at least 60 to 70 offerings a day, and fill, each one fills like two baskets. So that's like around 150 baskets a day to throw away. Like you would think anybody would say, have mercy on this child, give her something else to do. You would think, you know, someone would go and, and, like maybe to try to to wash her and clean her and take care of her. But that was her job. The poor child, that was what she was doing. So no offerings were allowed after sunset, according to the Old Testament. So around like six o'clock or so. Um, she would wash herself up or whatever. As she was, Of course, now she's growing up a little. And instead of resting, you she would have like priests and priest wives asking her to go help them in the house and to serve them. Um, if a priest's wife is pregnant, she will go there and clean for them, mop for, for them. That was the rest of her day. That's how she spent it. So, So no wonder why when the angel told her, Elizabeth is pregnant, Elizabeth Zachariah, the priest Zachariah's wife, was pregnant. The first thing she took upon herself is, I'm, I'm a servant, I'm gonna go serve her. So she did not even think about it twice, and, and she went and traveled, and, I mean, the, the, the place where Elizabeth was, compared to where St. Mary was, there was a lot of hills and mountains in the middle, and St. Mary was strong. She walked, and she went to serve her, and it took her a few days walking in the dark, in the forest, in the mountains, to go serve her but she took upon herself the job of being a servant of all, of everybody. And she's going through all that and remember that she got pregnant too. So she was probably pregnant in the beginning when she was serving Elizabeth the last 3 months of her life of her uh, sorry, of her pregnancy. Um after Elizabeth gave birth or actually right before Elizabeth gave birth, Saint Mary left her house and A lot of meditations say that because St. Mary didn't want to get the spotlight because when people have the baby, everybody rushes to them and congratulate them and be around them, and she did not like the crowd. She didn't like to be watched and seen too much and given credit, so she just quietly left right before she had the baby. All this she's going through with submission and acceptance, but the Lord looks down at her and says, Like a lily among thorns, so is my love among the daughters. That's why we read her prayer in Luke 1, 47 to 55. She talks about how God raised the humble, which is her. Then as a teenager, okay, go, let's go back to the temple. As a teenager, she never went on the wrong track. So this is a girl who lived with no love from a dad, attention from the most important male figure in her life. And still, as a teenager, she never went on the wrong track. And there is, you know, church history is full of, you know, bad examples of people in the temple, even priest kids like um, Ali, the, the priest. Um, so she could have been, she could have chosen the wrong way completely, but she did not. She was always focused on her mission, on her service. So her third thorn was her life out of the temple as a young girl. So after she was around four, 14 years old, they were, she wasn't able to stay in the temple. So... Um, there was an elderly group. The elderly group was made of a lot of old men who were either uh, they lost their wives or they, from the beginning, didn't get married and they wanted to focus their life on the service. So this group of people um, existed at that time. So the, the priests at that time, they didn't know what to do with Mary. So they thought about this group. And they, saw, they said, maybe we can assign one of the older men to take her into his house and she can serve him, she can take care of him too. But just to be politically correct, we're gonna have her engaged to him. And at that time, or in the Jews' uh, tradition, engagement is kind of like, like you hear Muslim families, they do that too, like or whatever they say, like it's a contract that she's basically his wife, but um, only on paper. Okay, so they said, you know, we're gonna give her to one of the elderly, and you know, technically it's his wife, whatever happens, happens, but otherwise, we're correct, we're good now. We don't have to worry about what to do with her. So she, they did a, a like, they cast a lot, and it fell on St. Joseph the Carpenter, as we know. St. Joseph the Carpenter was a very old man. He's probably, uh, I don't know, 80s, 90s. And um, a lot of movies that you you probably watched, they have Joseph as a young man, but he was not. He was a very old man, and she was serving him. He himself, he was He's, his He had kids, and his wife died, and he was serving in, in the temple, too. So um, she went from serving in the big temple to the small house of Joseph. So this is, like, almost a, maybe a better, better time for her. Like, you know, it's a it's a smaller service, not too much work. But, of course before she relaxes and enjoys and adjusts to this new life, she gets a new calling in her life. So the angel comes to her, Archangel Gabriel, and he came and gave, delivered the news to her. And one of the meditations was saying how the angel was probably embarrassed of her silence because he came and he talked to her and he said, this will happen, that will happen, you'll be pregnant, you'll do this and that. And, and she's so quiet, she didn't say much. And, you know, what's interesting is when he said, um, when he greeted her as full of the one full of grace, the Bible says that she was troubled because of the greeting. It's not because that she saw the angel. Because the tradition says that St. Mary, this was not her first time to see an angel. She was in contact with angels, like, throughout her life. And according to the book that I was reading, um, and we'll talk about that later, Um, God was taking care of Mary, sending her angels to feed her. So that was, I thought it was very cute. But anyway, so Archangel Gabriel comes to her with all these news, and she was very quiet, very silent, and all you could hear is two verses, right? How can this be since I do not know a man? It's a young girl trying to understand, young woman trying to understand how this can happen. And then at the end she goes, Behold the maidservant of the Lord, let it be according to your word. So she's in a situation where she's pregnant and she's in Joseph's house, and then um, she started to show signs of pregnancies, and Joseph is a very well-respected man. He gets hurt, he sees that. You know, this girl, I took care of her in my house. Why is she pregnant? Imagine the things that he's going through his head. You know, of course, there's no way he would think this is of the Holy Spirit, right? And then what's amazing is she would not even defend herself. That's a girl, and she should be defending her purity. But St. Mary chose to be quiet, and she waited for God himself to to defend her. But that's a tough situation. It's a tough thorn, young girl, no family, asked to be pregnant of the Holy Spirit and looked at or viewed at as an adulteress. So it's not an easy situation. So that's more of emotional struggles of St. Mary, and all this she's going through with submission and acceptance. But the Lord looks down at her and says, like a lily among thorns, so is my love among the daughters. So, okay, so finally God, you know, had this vision, gave this vision for Joseph. The angel came to, to tell him that she's pregnant of the Holy Spirit, and don't be afraid to take her, your wife. So finally things are about to get better, but no. Joseph had to leave to go to, to where the city, they belong, their, their city, to register their names because they were counting, they are doing census at that time. So they had to travel and she had to travel on a donkey. So the poor girl in this tough trip, she gets the labor contractions. She's in a lot of pain and then in the middle of a very chaos time in Bethlehem where everybody's traveling, everybody's traveling, going to their city to do the census, to register their name and all the hotels are full as we all know and she can't even find a comfortable place to give birth. So Joseph doesn't know where to take her until at the end, as we all know, the only place they found was a manger, a place that's filthy, full of animal smell, and not the cleanest place in the world. So Joseph tells her, I don't know what to do, Mary. I don't know where to take you. There's no place except in the middle of animals. So she said, Joseph, I don't care. I've been with the animals all my life. I've been cleaning after the sacrifices all my life. I lived in this filth all my life. Just take me there. And she accepts it with, very, with so much humility. And she goes there, and it's amazing how... It's a very humble place where she gave birth to the King of Kings, and it didn't bother her, you know? It's, she kept it. Like, if you can imagine, if we announce it now, the King of Kings is going to be born on this. The whole news will be there. Everybody will be there. The place has to be prepared. But think about the biggest one of the biggest moments in the human history happening in a little manger where animals are very quiet in a very small little Bethlehem. Like so much humility from her to accept it, and of course, above all, so much humility from Christ to allow this. And all this she's going through with submission and acceptance. But God looks down at her, say, like a lily among thorns, so is my love among the daughters. Then after they had the baby, of course, probably maybe less than a couple years later, they come to her. Herod wants to kill your son. Herod wants to take your baby away. You have to run, you have to escape. So her and the poor old man that's with her, she's dragging a baby and an old man with her, and they travel to Egypt. And this was not a very pleasant trip. It's, they're going from one place to another, knocking doors, because the soldiers are running after them. They're chasing them to Egypt. And they could not find rest and a place to stay. One of the very cute stories that I heard about the trip of um, the Holy Family to Egypt was there was a man that owned a, a field um, and he worked in his field. It was a mar- watermelon field. And he planted the seeds and everything, you know, part of his job, waiting for the season to come where the watermelon, after a few months, ripens and, you know, he can sell it and goes on with his life. But St. Mary happened with, with her holy life, holy family. They happened to pass by this field. And that man was nice to them, and he took him in. And then they heard the news that the soldiers are chasing them. To, they knew where they were. By the field, and they're worrying. We're gonna go, um, get, like catch them at the field. So St. Mary said, "We have to leave." And um, when they ask about you, about where we are, or if you have seen them, tell them that I've uh, I've seen him, or they've been here when I started planting the watermelon. I don't know. I haven't seen them since then. So the man said, "Okay." So they they slept. And then they left, you know, the family left. But the man, the soldiers, by the time soldiers came, the field was full, full of watermelon that ripened within hours. So instead of months, it was like all full grown. So when the soldiers came and, and the guy, the farmer, told them, they were here when I just started planting the watermelon. So the, the soldiers took the idea of this and they understood that, oh, they left here months ago. So it kind of steered them away from, you know, like where they were. And then, after they go back to Nazareth and they settle down, of course, a few years later, Jesus starts his mission, and he gets too busy, and he's never home, and he doesn't he even doesn't spend the night much. He spends the night in, in the mountains praying. So he started to be away from her. He doesn't, she doesn't see him as much. Everyone's around him. He's, he's doing his mission. And um, later on, a few years again, the news of Jesus being wanted by the Jews goes to her. They're going to kill your son. They arrested your son. Then she goes and she sees him being beaten, being spat on, stripped him of his clothes, nailed to the cross, and she stood there mourning her son who died in front of her on the cross. It always strikes me, the especially as a mom, when I saw the passion of Christ and how when he Christ fell on his cross and she went to to put her arms around him was, and then they paralleled it with when he was a toddler starting to learn how to walk and how would he fall, she would grab his hands too. I mean, there was a message here. The message is this is a mom that that is the same person to her now that's dying on the cross or, or falling on his cross is the same like a little boy that she raised that's falling when he's trying to walk. It just gives us a, like a sense of reality that you know, sometimes we read the Bible and we don't really take think about things realistically. But this this is a mom that raised her child and now she sees him dying in front of her. So this is not a very easy. Even after death, and we'll talk about it how she struggled um, like with, with insults. So St. Mary was born in about twenty BC and she left Earth around fifty-two AD. So she had about like seventy years on Earth. And um, after Christ, as we know, on the cross, of course, he he Christ made sure that she stays with St. John the Beloved's house. She stays with him. Uh, so she stayed with St. John among the first Christians, and this is what the Lord intended for her. And um, she was a great source of strength and energy and consolation for the disciples and apostles at that time. So before Christ's passion, before, uh, and that's... The source, again, is from the book, The Life of the Virgin Mary Theotokos. Before Christ approaches his passion, she sat with him, and she said, what's going to happen for me? She wanted to know, like, what do I do after you? So she she asked him, before I leave the earth, I want you to let me know three days before I die. And then the other thing that I plead and I ask of you is that you come yourself with the angels, to take my soul. And the third one is, I want all the apostles and the disciples to be around me and to be part of this day. So Christ promised her and he said, before, you, before it's time for you to leave, I will send you Archangel Gabriel to um, let you know and deliver the news to you. So St. Mary, after that, fast forward, she had a very deep desire to leave her body and go be with her son in heaven. And she was praying a lot for that. And during their discussion, this is what I was referring to before, during their discussion, her and Christ before the Passion, he said, um, I will always watch over you, I will guard you with my angels, and I will send you my angels to take care of you, just like I sent the angels to feed you angelic food when you are in the temple as a kid. It was very, very touchy when I read that. So anyway, so St. Mary had a very strong uh, desire to leave and to be with him. Now, until the end of her life, she was living in the house of St. John the Beloved in the Mount Sion. And she often went from there to Mount of Olives, where, you know, the very place of ascension. And one day when she was in the Mount of Olives praying, she was alone. Archangel Gabriel appeared to her and told her that your time is coming. In three days you will be with Christ and you will sit on the right-hand side of your son's throne. So it's, it's very cute because you think, again, this is the same angel again. Archangel Gabriel again delivering news to her. It's like she has a friendship with Archangel Gabriel now, you know. But um, so, so she, and, and records say that the way the angel was talking to her, as recorded, he called her my mistress and my lady, which I thought was very cute. So St. Mary was very happy when she heard the news and she gave thanks and she knelt down. And um, it says that her prayers were accompanied by a wonderful manifestation, the olive trees growing on the Mount of Olive. The trees bowed with her as she bowed after her prayers. And when she rose, the trees straightened themselves up again. She went home and she she told St. John the Beloved about the matter. And she told some of the Virgin who lived with her too. And one of them was Mary Magdalene, but when they heard the news, of course, it was very bad for them, and they were weeping and they were wailing, because they always, after Christ left, the presence of St. Mary among them was like Christ was still there with them. She was strengthening them, she was encouraging them, she was giving them, you know, hope to keep going, because, you know, service is not easy, and what their job was not very easy. So she needed the encouragement always. So it was a very big deal when they heard that St Mary is about to leave them. So all those who were living around her and loved her, all the faithful knew the news and they gathered around her and they were crying, but St Mary was consoling them and asked them not to weep but to rejoice. She said that she will be soon to be uh, will be able to pray to her son with great boldness as she was going to be standing nearer to the throne of God. And she promised that she will not leave them orphans. After her departure, but she was going to she would um, visit the whole world and attends to its need and help those in trouble what's cute is that Mary had two garments, and um, if we i don 't know if you guys know but long time ago during this time garments clothes was one of the most expensive things that you can own that's why when Christ was on the cross, they were fighting over his garment, and they didn't even want to break it. they say, "Well, cast lot because it's not easy to make clothes at that time so she had two garments and she made a will she wants those two garments to go to the two poor widows who had faithfully served her and um, she also made her will known to be buried in the mount of olives in the garden of gethsemane where her parents and saint joseph the carpenter were buried so while the theotokos was making those arrangements all of a sudden a noise was heard and a sim- uh, a, um, a big, like noise, like a clap of thunder came, and it was a cloud that that encircled the home of Saint John the Beloved, because by the commandment of God, by command of God, the angel had seized the apostles where they were, and it brought them in a cloud, in clouds, and they came to Saint John the Beloved. So they found each other all of a sudden, all landing in one place, and they were wondering what's gonna, ha- what's going on. So Saint John the Beloved told them that St. Mary is about to depart from us, and um, she wanted everybody to be with her that day. So they all arrived and saw each other, and they went in the house to greet her. So they entered the house, and they found her wearing joyful clothes, sitting on her bed. So they greeted her, and she greeted them back, saying, Peace to you, brethren, chosen by the Lord himself. How did you arrive here? So they told her that by the power of the Spirit, everyone was caught up in a cloud and brought here at the same time. So Peter came from Rome, Mark came from Alexandria, Matthew had been on a boat, and, um, and others. St. Mary was so happy because she knew that that was her request, that she would have all the apostles joining her on that day. During this conversation, St. Paul came. Now, St. Paul is special. St. Paul did not meet Christ in person, remember? So St. Mary to him was very special. She, he always saw her as, as if Christ is with him. She, she, when he sees her, he sees Christ in her. So he came in and he fell at her feet and said, Rejoice, mother of my life, my preaching. Gazing on you now, I think I, that I see your son. So St. Mary gave him also a lot of like, love and attention, always made him feel like he's always one of us, right? Because you know how it was with St. Paul in the beginning. St. Mary called each of the holy apostles by name to herself, and she praised their faith and labor and preaching of Jesus, and the relationship between her and them was a true motherhood source of support, and kept them going. So they saw Christ in her and they made, she made them feel that they have Christ still with them, like between them. So she wept with them and for them and she tried to comfort them as much as possible and they stayed up praying and praising and reading the Psalms. And then on her day of departure, she greeted each apostle with a blessing and prayed together. And there was suddenly a thunder from heaven, and came a very fearful voice, as if of chariots. And behold, a multitude of hosts of angels and powers, and a voice as if it is of the Son of Man. The room shone with light, and some of the people saw the vision of Christ and the angels. Um, And many saw the roof of the apartment like open, and the glory of the Lord ascending from heaven, and it was Jesus, the King of Kings himself, who came like He promised her, with the angels and the archangels and all the heavenly powers. And He looked at her with love, and He said, "Arise, my beloved, my fair one, my dove." There was a beautiful dialogue between them two that was recorded in the book. It was beautiful, a little lengthy, so I kind of um, kept it short. But Saint Mary closed her eyes like she was sleeping. And she surrounded her um, her soul in the hands of her son and Lord. And the Lord stretched forth his hand and received her, her holy and blameless soul. So there was very beautiful angelic singing and praises. Her face shone like the sun. and. Sweet perfume started coming out of her pure body and um, a scent that's impossible to find on earth. And at that time too, her body gave healing and performed miracles and gave the feeling of a lot of peace to people. So instead of being a very sad and wailing time for them, they felt so much comfort and peace inside them. They carried her body to bury it, so they had like a procession for her. So they were chanting and singing the funeral songs, and they went out in a procession in the street, and there was a lot of people um, carrying lights, and the priests' censors, and they sang the hymns on their way to Gethsemane. Now hovering over them appeared like a circular cloud reminiscent of a crown that shone with a bright radiance, and the voices of the angels were heard singing and praising coming out of this cloud. So, of course, this is not going to go easy and all happily, you know, until the end. But the Jews were very furious because the Jews were still very upset about this Jesus guy and all the preaching that's been happening and the conversion that's been happening. And they could not wait to actually, you know, get rid of St. Mary and the apostles, but God was protecting them. So they were very furious. And when they found out that there is a glorious procession for the mother of Jesus, they pushed a lot of people to stir up that that um, procession and just overtake the procession and disperse it and to kill the apostles and to kill St. Mary and burn her pure body. As they ran towards them, to the mob, those people who were supposed to, to stir the whole thing and disperse the procession were struck by blindness and the circular cloud surrounded them and protected the procession. There was a Jewish priest, Jewish priest, his name was Athanias. He was out on the road, and he saw the whole view of the procession. He was very frustrated and angry. And he himself went and ran towards the coffin and attempted to cast her body on the ground. But when his hand barely touched the coffin, um, an angel came at once and struck off his, his elbows. So he basically, like his arms were cut, and his hands were, um, were clung to the coffin. So basically his arms were stuck to the coffin and separated from his body. And of course the guy was, you know, crying and screaming and, and uh, you know, everybody saw that and fear filled the place. And the apostles told him, you have to repent and ask for her, her trans- uh, intercessions for you. So he confessed and he repented what he'd done and, and he confessed his belief in, in St. Mary and, Saint, and uh, um, Jesus Christ is the true Messiah. So after this... They, they, Peter told him, okay, get closer to the coffin and his, he, his arms were healed again. But then the, the traditions say that he still had a line around his elbow just to remind him of that incident. So he believed and he joined the procession and he later was baptized. And the people that were struck by blindness too, they started crying and screaming and they, you know, repenting and confessing and, and uh, asking the apostles to pray for them. And then um, also they, re- they touched the coffin, and through the, the body of St. Mary and her, her uh, intercession, they regained their, their sight, and they believed, too. So they finally arrived at the tomb and laid her pure body there, and fragrance and beautiful praises were coming out of the place for like three days. But what the one thing I didn't mention is all the disciples and apostles were there except Thomas. So Thomas was not present during all this. Um, three days later, Thomas was caught up in a cloud in India. He was, Thomas is the prophet that brought Christianity to India. And uh, he was caught up in a cloud, and the cloud transported and rested right on top of St. Mary's tomb. And he saw a crowd of angels carrying the body of St. Mary. So the angels told him, come hurry and take the blessing of the body of St. Mary. And he hurried and kissed it. And then um, the girdle fell. The girdle that goes around St. Mary, like a little belt that St. Mary had, fell. And he caught it and he asked him for permission to keep it. And they said, Yes, you can keep it as a blessing. So he went back to visit the apostles and asked about her, pretending that he didn't know what happened. So they told him, Sorry, Thomas, you missed it. St. Mary passed away. And I don't know why you were the only one who wasn't here, but you missed it. And he's like, No, I wouldn't believe that. What do you mean? I have to see her body in the tomb. They said, you sure you want to do that? So they took him to St. Mary's tomb. They opened the tomb. I can imagine the situation, right? They opened the tomb like, look, you go see for yourself. And he goes in and he says, looking at what? So, of course, the apostles, the disciples say, not again. Another empty tomb, you know. So um, he told them, you know, I've seen the angels carrying her body to heaven. And here's her girdle that fell. And I took it as a blessing. So the, the, the apostles, of course, it's three days later, they're still in the hype of like mourning her, right? So the apostles decided to, they, were, they really wanted to see her again, and they, wanted to, they decided to fast so that Christ would reveal St. Mary to them again and to know what happened to her body. So the fasting lasted for two weeks. So this is the fasting that we fast for St. Mary's fasting. And then after two weeks, the Lord appeared to them along with St. Mary in her glorified nature, and he told them that her body is in heaven because the body that carried God the Logos for nine months and took from his humanity should never remain in the dust of the earth. So she had a very rough life. She had a lot of thorns in her life, and she, she struggled a lot, but she took it humbly, as we said, and thinking... Praying, So we know that Christ or God God was looking down at her all this time as a lily among thorns. What did she see him as? Just like God looked at her and said, like a lily among thorns, so is my love among the daughters. She looked up to him and said, like an apple tree among the trees of the woods, so is my beloved among the sons. I sat down in his shade with great delight and his fruit was sweet to my taste. So she saw him as an apple tree, among trees of the woods. Why apple? The apple is very unique fruit. The apple has great taste, great look, great smell, to the point we, we think that Adam and Eve, you know, the fruit was an apple, because we think it's the most beautiful um, fruit of all. Very healthy for the stomach, for the body, and, um, and even like in Arabic, it's called tufah, tufah, as a, it's a, in Arabic you mean a scent spreading, even it smells good, they make even lotions that smells like it. so she calls him, she sees him as an apple tree among the tree of woods what is a tree of woods tree of woods are a type of trees that are full of thorns, so just like St. Mary's life was full of thorns the world is full of thorns but you are the tasty and beautiful apple in the midst of the thorns so she, she saw him as her only fruit, her only true heaven and with him on earth, she did not need anything. So may the prayers and intercessions of St. Mary be with all of us. And this is a very special month. Um, if we have any struggles in our life, always remember her and you know to intercede for you. I always, uh, when I ask her for her prayers and intercession, I always say, you know, Lord, you promised and you said you have to honor your mother and father for your days You know, will be longer in, on earth. So now your mom's going to come to you and ask you about me and you have to honor her. So you have to remind God of his promises when you, when you do that. So her intercessions are very strong, and um, always include her in when you're praying to support your prayers too. May her prayers be with us, and glory be to God forever. Amen. Our Father who art in